Beginning the Gemara today on Dafnun Beis, Amit Beis, three lines from the bottom of the Yomad. The Gemara here continues the discussion we had regarding a person that, um, you know, what are we talking about over here? The Ksubas Benin Dichrin. The obligation that there is for the Ksuba that includes both the dowry that the father gave for his daughter, and then if she passes away, the husband yarshins it, and then if he passes away, goes to the children, her children specifically, not any other Yarshan. And the same thing also, the Ksuba money that he promised to give her, what, Tzamanda or Masayim, so she passed away first, and then he passed away, that Ksuba money also goes to her children. So that's the concept of Ksubas Benin Dichren. So the Gemara here brings a story about this halacha. Rav Pape Eyasek Leilebrei. Rav Pape was involved in marrying off his son, Be'Abba Surah, to Abba Surah's daughter. This is interesting because Abu Surah was actually Rav Papa's father-in-law. We had this in the Gemara before. Which means that he was marrying off his son to his sister-in-law. Okay? Either way, what happened? Azal Mikhtav Lake Subasa. He went over there to Abu Surah to write up the Ksuba agreement, which would include two things. First of all, what is his son going to be giving for the Ksuba for the for the wife? And also, what is the father of this wife, which is Abu Surah, what dowry, what nadin is he going to give for his daughter? So he arrived there into the city. Shama Yehuda Bamereme, Yehuda Bamereme heard that Rav Papa arrived. So Nafak, he went out, he came and appeared to him to come and greet him. When they arrived to the house of Abu Surah, so Yehuda Barmereme was sort of departing. He was going away from Rafapa. He didn't want to join him to go to his uh, future Mukhutan, or to his Mukhutan, to, to, which was really his father in law. He didn't want to join him there to, to take care of the matters of the Ksuba. <coughs> so Rafapa tells Yehuda Barmereme, Neil Marbadoi, why don't you enter together with me for this, uh, to, to, for this agreement here, for the negotiation, for the Ksuba? So Rav Papa saw that Yehuda Bar does not want to join. So Rav Papa is thinking to himself, what's the reason? Why would he not want to join him? So Omalei, so he tells Yehuda Bar my daitech, what, what are you thinking? And maybe you're thinking the following. We know that in another place, so Rav, Rav Shmuel told to Rav Yehuda as follows. Shinano, sharp one. This is how he would refer to Rav Yehuda. Do not be present when they are taking the Yerusha away from the person that deserves the Yerusha to someone else that does not, does not get the Yerusha. In other words, when you change from the way the Yerusha is and you're giving the Yerusha to one son and not to another son, don't, don't be part of such a thing. And that's even if you see that there's a person that wants to take the money of the Yerusha away from a son that's not behaving properly, to a son that's a good son. So it seems like he's doing a good thing. So why should you not be part of this? So Shmuel tells him, because you never know, what kind of a children, even this son that seems to you to be the bad son, what kind of children he's going to have. So don't be part of anything like this when you see that the, what they're doing is they're writing a document to take the Yerusha from one to give it to another. If so, so Papa again is telling Yehuda Bamereme, you're probably thinking that over here, most definitely, if you take money that would be for a Yerusha for a son, and you're giving it to a daughter, for sure you don't want to be part of this. So over here, since we're going to write a ksuba, and what's happening is the mother of the, the father of the kala that is, 
is going to be writing a, a big nadin, a lot of the diary, taking a lot of his possessions that really the son should yashin, and giving it instead to his daughter, you don't want to be part, be part of this, taking the Yerusha away from the sons. So, Rafapa tells Yehudah Barmereimer, but that's not a good reason. Because, hai nami takanta de Rabbanani. This, that a father should give the Nadan, the dowry for his daughter, Chachamim instituted that one should do so. And right, as we learned before, it goes so far that even later, after the wife passes away, and then the husband passes away, eventually that, that dowry all goes to the, to the grandchildren, to the, to the children of his daughter. That's the way Chachamim instituted it. And as Gemara quoted before already, Da'amir Rab Yechenen, Meshum Rab Shem Ben Yoichi. Rabbi Yechonim, in the name of Shem Yerchi, brought the Pasik that it said before, the Gemara brought a Pasik in Yermia on the previous daf, where it said, Kuhu Noshim, and it said over there, Vespene Seichem, Tnula A Noshim, which refers to the fact that you have to give a Nad and a Dari. So why don't you want to join me? Amalei, so Yehuda Bamerem says to Rav Pope, Hanimili Midaite. That's only if the father is giving for his daughter willingly, with his consent. So then that's what Chachamim instituted. La Suye Nami. To force the father of the daughter to give. Is that also part of what Chachamim instituted? Hamalei, so Rafapa says to Yudab Amereimah, what are you talking about? Did I ever say to you, the all the Asye, that come with me to my Mechutten, come to me, and we're going to force him to give a dowry? We're not forcing him. All the Loit Asye come with me, and you don't have to force him. Just come, come together with me to, to when, we, when we make the negotiations for the Ksuba. So Yehuda Bar-Mereimer explained, If I enter together with you, this is equivalent to forcing the, the father-in-law, the future father-in-law here, to give more than he would want. Why? Because if Abba Barsura, which is the father of the Kala, will see, oh, look, Rapap is here, and not only that, Yehuda Bar-Mereimer is here, he's going to be intimidated by them, and whatever amount he wanted to give before, he might feel coerced to give even more. So just me coming in with you is going to be like forcing him to give more than he wants. Okay, so what happened? Avenged, but he didn't let go, Rafapa. Achpe, all he forced him. Rashi says, not verbally, he forced him. He like pressured him and he says, come, just come in together with me. Okay, so what happens? Yehuda bar comes in. So Ishtik, oh, he was quiet. He sits there quietly because he knew that he doesn't want to be any cause to force the father-in-law to give more than he wants. So he says, I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to comment, so he shouldn't be feel pressure to give more than he wants. So Ishtig the Yosef, he was sitting there, Yehuda bar is sitting there quietly in the room. So now what happens? It has the op- opposite effect. Sovar, so he thought, the Bachavir adds, Sovar Ihu, the Abba Barsura, the father of the Caliph, thinks to himself, that he, he must be fuming, he must be angry. He sees how much money I'm giving for the Kala, and he's sitting there quietly, he's not saying a word. He doesn't even want to talk to me because he's angry. You should give more money. That's what he thought happened over here. So eventually what happened is, the father of the Kala, he wrote everything he owns for his daughter because he thought that whatever I'm going to give is not enough. So the and then still Yehuda Bar is sitting there quietly. He's not saying a word. So what happens? The Saif So now Abu Surah finally tells Yehuda Bar Still, you're not going to talk to me after all of this. I gave all the money. You're still not going to talk to me. So and he says to him, I can swear in the life of the master, I left nothing for myself. So what more can I do?
so finally Yehuda Mamarem speaks up and he says, if you would have taken my advice before, I feel a high nami de Even this that you have already given, I'm not happy about this. You shouldn't have you don't have to give so much. You have to give all your money away. Remember, we learned before in the Gemara, how much you supposed to give for a diary? A tenth, a tenth of your nechassim. So now Abu Surah realized what happened over here. He misinterpreted the fact that he was sitting quietly there. So he said to them, Hashtanami Ahadabi. So how about now? Can I retract what I already promised I'm gonna give? They didn't yet make a Kenyan, it wasn't yet a done deal. So maybe I should retract what, what uh, I promised I would give. Amalei, so Yehuda Barmeremi says, Shavya Nafshach, Hadrana Loikamina. So no to retract what you already promised you would give, this I'm not telling you to do. Once you already promised it, so you should give what you said you're going to promise to give. Okay, very interesting story here regarding a dowry. Okay, let's go right back into the halacha of Ksubas Benin Dichrin. Gemara here is going to ask different shilas regarding this Ksubas Benin Dichrin. The following question. A wife sells her ksuba to her husband. What does this mean? She's selling her ksuba to her husband. That means that she would get her ksuba, uh, which again, the ksuba includes this, this, this two different things of a ksuba. There's the, the 100 and the 200 that the husband has to give her. And then there's bachlal, whatever she brings in as nichse melog, that she gets if uh, it divorces her. And she sells it all to the husband, which means in the event that, I, uh, that, that you pass away or you divorce me, you're not going to be chayef to give me the ksuba. Okay, so what does it mean she's selling that? So as Rashi explains it, this is what's called Teva Sanah. She says to him, pay me something, and whatever, this amount that you'll pay me, so this will be mevatl your obligation to pay me the ksuba. Okay, so she sold off her ksuba to her husband. And now the question is, what happens? Does that mean that also the ksuba's benin dichrin is absolved now as well? It nullifies the whole ksuba's benin dichrin. Yeshla ksubas benin dichrin. Do I say that the ksubas benin dichrin still applies, and that goes to her children? Oh, or maybe the ksubas benin dichrin does not apply. So let's understand this. The whole idea of ksubas benin dichrin is only applicable if she passed away first, and then the husband passed away. So then I say that the children of the of the wife is the one that gets all of the, 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 the her ksuba. Right? So in such a scenario, the actual payment of the ksuba w- was never applicable because she died first. So true, she sold her ksuba to him that he will not have to pay the ksuba to her. But over here, if she died first, that payment was never applicable. Bukhlau. She died first. And now the question is, so maybe the ksuba has been in dichrin, which is whatever the husband yarshins from her. What is the husband yarshin from her? Her nichsimilog, the dowry that she brought in from her father, that should still be something that the children should get. After she passed away, not, no, nothing different than usual happened over here. After, the, after she passed away, the husband got her dowry, he yarshined it, and then when the husband passes away, that should be transferred over to the grandchildren, like in any other case. Or do I say that since she sold the Toivasana of the Ksuba, so therefore she did, the, the children do not get it? No, but the point over here is though, what did she sell though? She only sold the rights to collect the Ksuba. She only sold the rights to collect the Ksuba if she's, again, if the husband that is passes away first. That's what she sold. But she didn't sell. Over here, this this uh, the ksuba has been in dichrin, which is the dowry that comes from the father that the husband yarshins, and then when the husband passes away, the children get that she didn't sell. She did not sell that. 
Okay, so over here the question is, do I say that because she sold the ksuba, so she, so she gave up everything, and therefore the children do not get that ksuba, or, no, the ksubas uh, they still get. Okay, that's the Gemara Shaila. So Rav says to him to, on this question, how did I read the whole thing over here? Or she does not get it. So Rav says about this Shaila here, why are you asking the question only in a case when she sold her ksubas mm-hmm. to her husband. Asked, the same shaila should apply in the case of Mechelas. What if she forgoes on it? She tells her husband, I'm Mechel Mechsubah. Right? If, you, if, you, if you're not asking the question in this case, it seems like that to you it's obvious when, that, that when she's Mechel Mechsubah, the ksubas Mechsubah still applies. So he says, you should ask the same question in a case where she's Mechel Mechsubah, whether the children will still get ksubas Mechsubah or not. Amalei... So, uh, who is this over here? Rav Yemir Sab answers and says, you're right, for sure the question would be by a case of Mechila. If I have a question regarding a case where the wife sold the rights of Rekzubah, that, that, that she will not be able to collect Rekzubah to her husband. So, in such a case, I now have a suffix, whether the Rekzubah has been in Dichrin, will still apply for the children. Now, the Gemara explains what, what's the... Chiddush of this Ibaya. The Afagav In such a case, you can come and say Zuzi Ansua that the only reason she's selling it to her husband is because she was pressed for cash. She needed to have money immediately. So how's she going to make money immediately? She doesn't have a penny. So what she does is she tells her husband for the fact that I'm being meichul for you. I'm selling you the fact that you won't have to pay me the ksuba and give me something for that. So she sold it because she was pressed for money. The Amina, the Gemara now here gives a very interesting expression regarding the situation when a person is pressed for money. The Amina, and therefore she says to herself, the Amina, we can say that is, that it's like a person that's getting a hundred lashes with this strap that has this, this uh, iron, iron piece on it. So the kids, so she was under a lot of pressure. So because of all this pressure, I say that when she sold the Ksube, she wasn't really intending to give up the whole condition of the ksuba, the ksuba's benin dichren, that the children should still yarshen the dowry that the husband gets after she passed away. So over there, we have this child, whether the children will still get, still get it. Mecheles, miboye, in a case where she forgoes on the ksuba, willingly, not because she's under any pressure. She didn't sell it at all. When she was meichelet, for sure there would be a reason to say that once she's meichel, the payment of her ksuba, so for sure, for sure, the ksubas benin dichren should also be absolved, should also be nullified. So yeah, it's taka part of the sibai, and even more so, there's a smart to say, if she's meichelet, that now the ksubas benin dichren, the children shouldn't get as well. So now the Gemara will address this, and, and uh, Rav himself speaking over here. So Rav brings up a few different scenarios regarding this question. So Amar Rav, Rav said, Pshitali, what's obvious to me is as follows. A woman that sells her ksuba to others. Not to her husband, she sells her ksuba to others. Again, what does this concept of selling your ksuba mean? The rights to collect your ksuba. So she sells someone, she says, if on a day I get divorced or I get widowed, so then instead of me collecting the ksuba, you'll collect the ksuba. She's selling those rights to collect the ksuba. What do you sell it for? You sell it for toiva sana. What's the idea of toiva sana? You're not, you, you, can't, you can't sell something you don't have, but the rights to collect it. So the fact that you have the hanod, you're going to have the rights to collect it, pay me for something now. So she sold the ksuba to someone else. Nevertheless, yeshlo ksubas benin dichren. That does not change the status of ksubas benin dichren. Because what did she sell? She sold to this other person if she gets divorced or, she, or, or her husband dies, so then this person will be able to collect it. 
But in the case of Ksubas bin Indichran, that's not yes. what actually happened. When does Ksubas bin Indichran apply? When she died first. So she's not collecting anything. So the buyer that bought the rights to collect it from her is not buying anything. So what's happening in such a case when she died first? What usually happens, whatever she got, what she brought in as a dowry into the marriage, the husband gets, and then when the husband gets it, if the husband passes away, Ksubas bin Indichran should still apply and she go to the children. So in such a case, it's Pashit, the Ksubas bin Indichran still takes effect. So my time, now the Gemara adds a reason, it emphasizes that somebody shayna might not even guide us this reason because it's so obvious what the Gemara is saying here, but still, the Gemara says, my time, why do we say so? Zuzi ansua. Because the fact that she sold her ksuba to someone else, we know she was doing this under the rest, she was forced to do this. So Rashi here explains, why does the Gemara add this reason here? Because you might think the very fact that she's selling the rights of collecting her ksuba to someone else, that shows that she's careless about everything in the ksuba including Ksubas bin Indichrin. Look, she's selling it off to someone else, so she doesn't care about Ksuba altogether. So therefore, they're going to ask the Svara, no, she's not doing this because she's careless about Ksuba. It's simply because she was under financial uh, duress. That's one Allah which is Pasha. Mechelis Ksuba Labayla, a woman that forgoes on her whole Ksuba payment to her husband. So then, in such a case, we say that also, this Ksuba's been indichrin, even if she's the one that died first, and the whole payment of Ksuba never applied, but nevertheless, by being Meichel the Ksuba, so now also the Ksuba's been indichrin will not apply either. The fact that she was Meichel the Ksuba, not because she's under financial duress, because she's not gaining anything over here, she doesn't care about it. So therefore, the whole Ksuba's been indichrin does not apply. That's Pashit. My time, she was Michael the whole thing. She forgoes on the Ksuba, so the Ksuba has been in Dichrin, which is the dowry that came from the father, is not going to go over to the children either. Now, by Rav, but the question here is, and this is really the question that, Rav, uh, that was asked before, Rav Yemir Saba asked before, if she's selling her Ksuba to her husband, she's not selling it to somebody else, but she's selling it to her husband. So in other words, she's telling the husband that if you divorce me or I become widowed, I'm not going to collect the ksuba. That's what she's selling to him. Do we compare this to her selling the ksuba to somebody else? And just like when she sells the ksuba to somebody else, what did we say before? That doesn't change the halacha of ksuba's been indifferent. If she dies first, so there is no collection of the regular ksuba, so then the ksuba's been indifferent kicks in. That the husband yarshins it, and then if the husband dies, the children get it. So we compare it to what we said before. Or perhaps I could say, She's not just selling it to somebody else. She's selling it to her husband. Selling it to the husband is a different story. That's similar to being Michael at the husband. You're giving it away to your husband. That's sort of showing that you want to completely give up your whole ksuba. And therefore, even ksuba's been indifferent will be included in that. And even that, your children will not get. That was the question that Rav asked, like Rav Yemesava. So the buyer, after he asked this question, he resolved it himself. A woman that sells the rights of collecting a ksuba to her husband, that he won't have to pay it. It's like selling it to somebody else, and therefore, the ksuba's benin, dichrin, still applies. Masiv Ravidi Baravin, Ravidi Baravin asks on this, so one of the things, the question of Ravide Baravan is going to apply to the point that we said over here, that when you sell, there's a swara to say that because there was an oinus, she was selling it under the rest, so therefore I say, it's not like forgiving, it's not like being meichel. When you meichel, I say, you give up the whole ksubas bin But when you sell, because it was financial duress, I say that it's like an oinus, and she doesn't mean to give up the whole ksubas bin So the Gemara asks in this from a Mishnah in Yavamis that we learned. The Mishnah there says, this is the Mishnah that speaks about the woman that her husband went overseas, and then Eid Echad comes along to say that the husband dies. She's allowed to get remarried to another person. 
what, but what happens now if her first husband shows up? He's here. So now the Mishnah there says, because she should have made a proper interrogation about this matter, she has to leave the second husband, she has to leave the first husband. And then the Mishnah there continues and also says that she gets no ksuber from neither of them. And then the Mishnah says further, if she passes away before any of the, these husbands pass away, the children, the, either from the first husband or the second husband, do not inherit her ksuber. So this the Gemara there asks, the question was asked, what is it saying there that the children don't collect the ksuba? It says before there in the Mishnah that there is no ksuba at all. So what does it mean that the children don't collect the ksuba? explained that it's referring to what we're speaking about in our Gemara here. It refers to the ksuba's benindichrin. Besides the fact that she doesn't collect any ksuba if any of these husbands pass away, if she passes away first and the husbands are the ones that are yarshining from her dowry, so now the ksuba's benindichrin, the children of this wife, will not get the ksuba's benindichrin. That's what it meant to say. But now the Gemara asks an interesting question. But why do we say that we nullify the whole ksuba's benindichrin over here? In this circumstance as well, why wouldn't we say Yetzer Anso? That it's her Yetzer, it's her inclination, it's the fact that her husband left overseas and she wanted to get remarried. And therefore this is sort of something that put a pressure on her. She was, she was pressured and she wanted to get married to somebody, so therefore she got married to the second person. Very interesting comparison the Gemara makes. Just like in a situation where a person has financial duress, so we say that if she's selling off the rights of collecting her ksuba, that's not equivalent, that doesn't add up to giving up the whole ksuba's menendichrin. So to over here, if she got remarried to a second person, because her, as far as she knew, her husband is never coming back home, so she was under this pressure to get remarried. So we should say also, she didn't intend, she, she's not giving up the whole ksuba's menendichrin. Answers the Gemara, you're right, but over there it's a whole different story. The reason why there's no ksuba's menendichrin is, this is a fine. Over there, that Mishnah says, all these different things it says over there, Tetzay, Mizeh, Mizeh, it's all a knas. Why, is, why does she deserve a knas? She had an Eid Echad that said that her husband died. So the Gemara there, if you remember, explained, because the only reason we rely on the Eid Echad is because Isha Daiko Minsuve, she's supposed to make an interrogation about, the mari- about this matter to see if the husband actually died or not. So apparently she didn't make a proper investigation because he showed up alive. Now you're the kids, not her. Yeah, interesting. The Gemara itself actually says that. If you remember, Yuvamis, the Gemara over there says, what's the Chiddush that you don't give the Ksuba to the children? Because the Gemara says, you would have thought she deserves to be punished, but not the children. But nevertheless, once they absolve the whole Ksuba, everything, even the Ksuba's Benedichrin also is not uh, applied anymore. So, the Gemara, Yosef, Rabin, Barchanine, Kameidar, Abchista. Rabin, Barchanine is sitting in front of Abchista, and Yosef, Kama, Mishmeidar, Abelazar. And he said, in the name of Abelazar, as follows, Mecheles, Ksubasa, Lebailo. A woman that forgoes on her the payment of her ksuba to her husband, Elam Zainus. So then not only doesn't she get the payment of the ksuba when she becomes a widow, but even the Mizainus, that's usually a condition of the ksuba that she has to be fed, also she doesn't get. If not if that you told me this Allah in the name of a great person, I would tell you, you're returning bad for a favor. Such an individual, bad things should not be removed from your home. Meaning just because she gave up her ksuba, so now she should also not even be fed at all. But once he said it, so this, is, this remains the Allah. Now, the Gemara brings another story here of a, of a halacha that was discussed regarding the Ksuba. Yosef Rav Nachman, Va'ula, Ba'avimi Bar Papa, these three Amiraim were sitting together. 
The Yasa Rabchia Barami Gabaya, Rabchia Barami was sitting with them as well. So this individual, his arusa passed away. So again, an arusa means after the first stage of marriage. Okay, so his arusa passes away. Now the question is, is he obligated to bury her, to pay for a burial? So all these Amiram said to him, Zilkvar, or go ahead and bury her. Or if not, pay her ksuba. So, so in other words, it is the, the obligation, the t'nai and the ksuba, that you have to bury her still takes effect. So Rav Chia said that, that no, that over here, in such a case, it does not apply. Okay, so as Rashi explains, what all these Amiraim understood is that one of the conditions of the Ksub is that the person has to pay for the burial of his wife. What is that in exchange for? In exchange for the fact that he's not having to pay her the Ksuba of a mana or Masayim, whatever the amount of the Ksuba is. Instead of over here, because you're not going to be paying that payment because she died first, so therefore, instead, you're going to bury her. That's how they understood this that we learned already before that burial is instead of the ksuba. What does instead of the ksuba mean? Instead of the fact that in this case she died first, you don't have to pay for the money of the ksuba. So, Amalur Ravchia said that no, we have, based on what we learned in Abraise, we'll see that's not what it means when it says that the obligation to pay for the burial is instead of the ksuba. It, instead of the ksuba means another aspect of the ksuba. So Tanina, we learned in the Braith as follows. Ishtay Arusa, person's wife, only in Arusa, the first stage of marriage. So loy Ainan, if he's a Kayan, so then there's no Allah of Ainan, or this is not, not only, uh, well, yeah, a Kayan, Rashi says, regarding a Kayan. So a Kayan that's an Ainan, cannot eat Kachim, but if his wife was only in Arusa, so he's not an Ainan, that, that he would still be allowed to eat Kachim. Beloy Mitamala. And also, he's not a Kayan that he would be allowed to be metama to his wife. The Pasuk there says only She'eda, a wife, and she's not yet fully his wife. It's only a Rusa. And V'chein, he loyoynenes, she as well is not a Nenes for him. She doesn't have the status of an Nenes for her husband. And V'loy metamolo, she's not, she doesn't have to be metama to him. Okay? So in other words, if Rashi over here says, if she wants, she could be metama to him. The whole halacha of Kayanim, not becoming Tommy, does not apply to Benais Aaron, only to Benai Aaron, but she does not have to become Tommy to him. She doesn't have the, that mitzvah, that obligation, because he's, he's not yet fully her husband. Mesa, if she passes away before him, Eino Yarsha, he does not Yarshanur, which means the dowry that comes from the father's home, the husband does not get after the first stage of marriage. The father only gave this dowry after, with the intention that he's, he's going to fully marry her, not an Arusa. Meisu, now if the husband passes away in, his wife, in the wife's lifetime, so now Subasa, she will collect the Ksuba from him, even only being an Arusa. Now, what do we see from this? Time the Meisu. So the reason why we say that she collects the Ksuba from him is that he died first. So therefore, she collects this Ksuba of Man and Masayim. Ha Meisahi. But if she died first, so then, ain't la Ksuba. Then the whole concept of Ksuba does not apply at all. Not, in other words, not only does he obviously not have to pay her the Ksuba, she, she's dead. But besides, not only that, we can't say that there's any condition over here because of this payment of the ksuba that instead of the payment of the ksuba you would have to bury her. Ain't luxuba. Once she died first, the whole concept of the payment of the ksuba does not apply at all. So therefore, uh, so therefore, the question that Rabbi is asking on these Amiroim is why are you saying to this person that he has to bury his wife instead of the payment of the ksuba that he is not that he does not have to pay. If she died first, there is no payment of the ksuba here, Bukhlal. And the Gemara explains, to why, why not? Why is there no payment of the ksuba when she dies after only being an Arusa? 
Amaravaisha explains because Sha'ain any Kaidaba, I can't apply what it says in the actual text of the Ksubah. When I pass away or I divorce you, and now you're able to marry someone else, Titli Lechi. You can take you'll take the Ksuba money that I uh, that I told you that, I, that I'm writing it, that I'll give you. Right, so in such a case, when she passed away first, obviously that doesn't apply. She passed away, she's not getting married to anybody else. Right, so therefore, what is, so as Rashi here explains, the obligation of a person to bury his wife, and, it, and when, it's, when we say that it's instead of the ksube, instead of what part of the ksube is it? It's instead of the dowry of the ksube that the husband gets. In a case where his wife was only in Arusa, she passed away, the husband doesn't get any of the dowry of the ksube. So if he doesn't get the dowry of the ksube, he's not obligated to bury her. So therefore, in such a case, a wife in Arusa, the husband doesn't have to pay for her burial. Right, so he said exactly. So yeah, yeah, so that's his questions. He's asking them. He's arguing with them. Kiyosa Ravin Omer Ishlokish Ravin came and he said in the name of Ishlokish this concept Arusa Shemesa Ein Laksuba and Arusa passes away. There is no payment of Laksuba and therefore also this that the husband would have to bury her also doesn't apply. Like we just said, Amalo Abaye when Abaye heard that what Ravin said in the name of Ishlokish he said Zilu Omri Legol Tal Ravin Shkila Tivusach you can take. Your good uh, favors that you're doing us, that you're, you're coming and explaining us, this halacha, shad you could throw it on the thorns. Why? Because here in Babel already explained this halacha to us, that this idea of ksuba does not apply for the arusa, and therefore also the burial in return does not apply in this case. Okay. Going back to what it said in the Mishnah regarding this, that the daughters... One of the conditions of the Ksuba is that the daughters have to be fed from the estate, from the father that passed away. So the Gemara now will talk about the details of this Allah. Rav Tani, so Rav learned that the text that's written in the Ksuba is, Ad Until when do the daughters have to be fed? Until they get married to their men. The Levi Tani, but Levi had a slightly different girsa, which makes a huge difference. Until these girls become a begeras, the age of 12 and a half. Not Guvrin, but Bagran, right? One small difference here, the base before the Gimel, but that, that's what Levi says. So the Gemara asks him this, how do we explain this Machlaikis? Le Rav, are you going to tell me that according to Rav, Afagav de Baga, that even after she's a Begeres, she's mature enough, could take care of herself, she's out of the father's possession altogether, even then, she still gets fed from the Ksuba? Money from this condition of the Ksuba. Ula Levi, Afagav de Insif, and according to Levi, even if she gets fully married, still she's going to be fed from her father's house. Why? She's now in her husband's possession. Ella, so the Gemara explains that their Machlaikis will be only in one case. Insif, in a case she becomes a begaddis, even if she's not married, or Insif, if she's fully married, even if she's not a begaddis, nobody's going to argue that the, the, you don't have to pay her anymore to feed her from the father's estate. When is the argument? If it was only the first stage of marriage and not the second stage of marriage, and she's not a begaddis. So now she explains when Rav said that the Lashon of the Ksubi is Tilakhan Leguvrin, the term Tilakhan is like what it says in the title regarding the first stage of marriage, which refers to the first stage of marriage. So therefore, according to Rav, even the first stage of marriage, they already don't have to feed her. But according to Levi, that says Begeres, is only when she's fully out of the father's possession, and that's either Bagros or full marriage, not Edison, not Tilakhan, not the first stage of marriage. Right? So that's uh, the Machlaikis here. 
So the Gemara now brings, Tani Levi b'masnite. Levi, he had his b'raises that he set up, and he also had the Nusach and the b'raises as follows. Until she becomes a begeres, and the time will come for her to get married. So the Gemara clarifies what this means. Tarti, do you have to have both? That it has to be that she's a begeres and it's time for her to get married? Ella, what this means is, or she's a begeres, or the time for her to get married came. Either one of them, the children don't have to pay her anymore to feed her. Now she explains this concept of her, the time of her to get married is what we already learned before. When they, in those times they would set 12 months for her to get married. If that time arrives, so even if she didn't actually get married, it's already the husband's responsibility to take care of her, so they, they don't have to feed her anymore. Ketanoi, we see that this machlekes between Rav and Levi is a machlekes tanoim. Atmosia bas nizaynis, until when does the daughter have to get fed? Until the time of Edis, even the first stage of marriage, like Rav. Only after Bagras, when she's fully out of the father's possession or full marriage. So he taught until Yehevyon, which is the Lashon Havaya, which is based on the term that the Torah says, V'yotza V'hoisa. V'hoisa is also a term of marriage. But it's not exactly clear what this Lashon Havaya means. First, or second stage of marriage. So the Gemara asks, the question was asked, Havaya de Edison or Havaya de Nisun? Does this expression of Havaya mean even the first stage of marriage, like Rav, or only the second stage of marriage, like Levi? Teiko, the Gemara does not absolve this. Amalei Rav Chizda Rav Yosef. Rav Chizda asked Rav Yosef about this matter. Did you hear from Rav Yehuda regarding this question whether Arusa Yeshla Mazainis? Does Arusa still get Mazainis from the father's properties? Or she does not get Mazainis anymore? So Rav Yosef answered, I did not hear about this matter, but I can tell you, thinking about this logically, Lesla. She should not get any Mazainis anymore. Why? Kivin de Irsa, once she's married, first stage of marriage to her husband, Lenichale de Tezel. The, the titzel, that is. Her husband is not interested in his wife being disgraced by having to go around and collect money, so definitely her husband will take care of her. So she doesn't have to be fed anymore by, by, her, by her brothers from the father's properties. Amalei, Sarav Chista says to him, if you did not hear from Rav Yehuda what the halach is, misvare, so then logically I would actually say the opposite, isla. Logically, I would say that she still does have to get fed. Why? Since her husband is not yet 100% sure if she's going to be ready to fully marry her. He's, a, he's that is. Again, the husband is not sure. He's going to be interested in fully marrying her. Maybe by that time he might discover something and he won't be interested in marrying her. So he's not going to throw his money out for nothing. He's not going to be interested in feeding her at this point. So she still has to get fed from her father's uh, properties. Now the Gemara brings the exact same discussion here, but in the opposite. Vikadamri Adah said, Amalei, that Rav Yosef responded, Mishmalei I didn't hear what Rav Yudha said about this, but Misvare Isla. It's Rav Yosef that said that logically I would say that she still gets fed from her father's properties. Even the Kimli Begava, since the husband is not 100% sure he's going to marry her, he's not going to throw out money for nothing to feed her at this point. Amalei, so Rav Chista said the opposite, if you did not hear what the Allah is, Miswara Lesla. I would say logically that she should not get fed from her uh, husband. Uh, again, she should not get fed from her father's properties. And the reason is, once she's already partially married to this man, he's going to take care of her. He doesn't want her to be disgraced. I have to go around collecting money for herself. Okay, so this... Uh, what does she have to go around? 
So that, that, that again? Huh? Why does she have to go? No, that, that's exactly what he's saying over here. And that's what he's saying. Since we know that the husband is motivated to give her the money, so now we say to the family, you don't have to give anymore because we know the husband will take care of her. So that's what it works. We're so sure that the husband will be interested in giving her. Correct, right. No, but because the husband is going to give, it, well, let's say the family decides not to give her, the husband is going to take care of her yeah. anyway. So therefore, from this point forward, so we say that the family. Family can, can our hands off, they don't have to give anymore. Now the Gemara here brings the simon before it brings a bunch of questions here that it asks about the Salacha. And the Gemara gives the simon for the different uh, things that we're going to learn here. Simon, the Gabri, first a simon for the names of the Amiroim that are going to ask the questions. And that's Shak Zaraf, which is five different Amiroim that are going to ask questions. And then the questions are going to be about the following subjects. Miyana, Vyuvame, Shnia, Arusa, Vaansa, as we'll see. So, the question was asked from Rav Sheshes. So, that's the shin from the, the, the simon of Shak. Mema Enes. A girl that is a Mema Enes. So, we learned many times about a Mema Enes. This is a katana, that's a Yusayma, that her brothers or her mother went and married her off. It's not a marriage menatayre, it's only a marriage menatayre, and therefore she has the right to refuse and walk away from the marriage whenever she wants and go back home. So, now the question is regarding this girl, if she's refusing and going back home, Yeshlom Zainis. Does she not get fed from her father's property? So, Yelam is Aynas. Or no, they do, they, they, do not, they do not have to feed her. Since she was once married before, even though she's not coming back home, and, she's, and the whole condition, the whole marriage is being absolved retroactively, but nevertheless, she's, once she left, she's not getting anything she's anymore. Back home. Correct? But that's, that's the question. So she she no, nope. so the Gemara says maybe because once she left, she, she, does, she, so already, she got married with Rabbanon, she doesn't get. Amalur Rav So Rav says, Tenisua. So we learned this in a Vraisa. And we can see that this is a Machlaikis here. Vraisa says, the first opinion here is Almana Bevesavia. And Almana. So again, we're talking over here about a Yusayma that got married and then she's an Almana. So Rashi clarifies right away. We're not talking about an Almana that was fully married. If she was fully married and then she gets widowed and she goes back to her father's home, she's definitely not getting any Mizainis because she was already fully married. But we're talking about an Almana only from Edison. And now she's going back to her father's home. Or Grusha, same thing as Grusha, only from Edison, she's going back to her father's home. Or a situation of this girl that's still waiting for Yibum, and she's living by her father's home. She's, at this point, she's not married yet. Or she's not married anymore. So because she went back to her father's home, she gets, she gets fed from the family, from the, from the father's properties. If she's still in the father's house, she gets fed from the father's properties. If she's not in the father's house, she does not have Mazainus. Now, as the Gemara will right away point out, it's not clear what's the difference between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, Haina Tanakama. Rabbi Yehuda seems to be saying the exact same thing as the Tanakama. If she's back on her father's house, she gets Mazainus, and if not, she doesn't. Says the Gemara, don't you think the Pshat over here is? The difference over here is this case of this girl that was only married with the Rabbanon and now she refused the marriage and returned to her father's house. The Tanakhama Savar Isla. So the Tanakhama says in such a case she gets Mazainis. That she does not get Mazainis. And as Rashi explains, in the words of Rabbi Yudu, you can see this. What Rabbi Yudu was saying is, the words is she's still there, meaning she never left. Oh, All these cases we said, Almana, even Mema'enes, she left and she returned. Rabbi Yudha is saying, only if she was there and never left, then she gets Mazainis. Otherwise, she doesn't get. 
Okay, so this is a machlekes tanoim. This is the kuf of the simon we had before, the shak. So Rishlokish asked the question, Bas Yevama. The daughter of Yevama, Yeshlo Mezainis, does she get fed or not? Okay, so this is the case of Yevama. She got married to a Yavam and she had a daughter and now she passed, uh, uh, the, the father that is, passed away. Does she get Mezainis or Elam Mezainis or does she not get Mezainis? Maybe this condition of Mezainis of the Ksuba does not apply in this case. Why should it not apply? So the Gemara explains. We once learned before, we learned this in the Gemara in Yevamis, Ksubasa al that the money of the Ksuba, the payment of the Ksuba that goes for this Yevama does not come from the Yavam that is married to her now. It comes from the estate of the brother that she was married to the first time. So therefore, Lesla. So therefore, yes, there is the payment of the basic Ksuba that she gets for that, but the Tanai of Mizainis that she does not get from the estate of the first husband. Or perhaps we should say, Kivin, since we learned over there regarding this halacha of the Ksuba of Yevameh, the Ileslo Mirishain. What's if the first husband died and didn't leave over anything? So there is no place to collect the Ksuba from, from the possessions of the first husband. So if the, again, the Ileslo Mirishain, if she doesn't have where to collect from the first husband, to Kino Lerabona Mishaini, that now the Yevam himself, the current husband will have to give ksuba from his own properties. So maybe Islam. So maybe I say that the same thing also applies to the Mazainis. That since, since she can't collect Mazainis from the estate of the previous marriage or the previous brother, so maybe she does get Mazainis from the current husband, now the Yavam that passed away. Take on. The Gemara does not resolve this. Iboya. So the first husband.